So are you are you in your apartment right now, or where do you live? Do you have a house in Denver? No, no, I'm I'm 30. I don't have a house. I I'm in an apartment. <laughs> Fair enough. You have to you have to keep in mind, Cass. I was a public servant for five years, and I just now went into the civil world. So hopefully, start making a little money and maybe buy a house in the next couple of years. But for now, I'm in my my cute little apartment. It's great. Uh, where's it's Henry? Really he is <gasps> in my oh, yeah. room. He's uh, asleep. Oh. He Henry yes. Puppy. He's such a good boy. Um. One thing that's cool about my new office is they're dog friendly. So he comes to work with me every day. He sleeps under my desk on a little blanket, keeps me company. It's been awesome. Aw, that's, that's great. great. You just, you, know, uh, right? you recently just switched jobs, right? So you're in a new mm-hmm. office now, right? New office, completely new type of law. Wow. Yeah. Is that hard to switch? Yeah. I mean, it, it was really hard. So I was doing criminal law. I was a criminal prosecutor for five years. So I know that stuff inside out. Um, having Mm -hmm. done that for, you know, half a decade, I was just ready for a change. Um, so I'm now doing civil litigation and I'm mostly doing construction defect and personal injury stuff. So completely different. Sometimes there's a little bit of an intersection with the criminal cases, but um, completely new kind of law and it's been awesome. I've been loving learning about it. Great. That's great. Mm-hmm. And you just turned 30. Happy birthday. Yeah, Thank happy you. Birthday. Thank you. Yeah. Just turned 30 two weeks ago and then started a new job. Big moves, but actually, you know, big I moves. was big moves, but I was meaning to tell you guys, um, and Cass knows this cause I spent some time with her in Montana this summer and uh, Montana was really when I decided to make the move and quit my job and go do something else. Wow. That's great. Uh, I guess everyone comes to Montana and just is like, goodbye. Literally. <laughs> it's such a... I don't need it. Everyone's transitioning. Yeah, you, know, you can that's come great. without a job as well. Oh, that's, that's an option that I chose. Um. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing no. wrong with that. But... You know, I think it's something, I mean, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I think it's just something about being in a place that is, for lack of a better word, just so pure. You know, it is beautiful, deep connections with nature when you're out there. I and think that's, I, that's what, it seems like everyone I talk to, everyone we talk to, that's what everyone says. It's just like this pure connection that really gives you a little bit of clarity or something. Also, there's a lot of people out here that are living with, you know, like they're scraping by or they're, you know, they're doing okay, like, and they're happy. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I don't really need a whole lot. Like people are living their best lives out here. People are pretty happy. Yeah, I found that too. I found that too. And I found that people, one of the things I loved about my time in Montana, especially was hanging out with this guy named Dan Kuhn who's this local cowboy, like true blue all-American cowboy guy, right? And he lives there with his family. He's been there his whole life pretty much. And um, Dan is someone who is just unapologetically himself 100% of the time. There's no fronts. There's no fluff. It's just like, yep, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. And I found that a lot of the people there were like that. It gave me a lot of freedom I felt like to say, oh, it's okay to be who I am, exactly how I am when I'm rough around the edges, 
you know, what my, my talents are, what my weaknesses are. It was just totally okay in that space. And um, that was something I really appreciated about my time there. And especially about the people there who just welcomed me with open arms during the, during the time I was there. So growing up, being born and raised in Denver and then coming up to Montana, it's not kind of like, uh, you know, the huge transition that like our former, one of our other guests had Mandy coming from Chicago you know, mm-hmm. like, how, how did you find coming out here? Did you find it to be super different? Oh, totally. I mean, Denver has really changed from when I grew up. So if you, you know, if you know Denver at all, there's County Line Road, which is down south. And I remember a time, what I tell people is, I remember a time way back in the day when everything south of County Line until you get to the next town, Castle Rock, which was, I don't know, 20, 30 miles down the way, was just fields. And now there's houses everywhere and buildings everywhere and a huge hospital. Denver used to feel like a Western town. When I was growing up, you know, in the 90s in Denver, I did pony camp, I did my stuff like that, and it felt like a Western town, and it it really did still feel kind of laid back. And I really don't feel that way about Denver anymore, for better or for worse. I mean, it's this awesome city now with great food, great culture, but it's not the same as it used to be. And there are elements of Colorado you know, there's certain areas in Colorado, like I was out in Salida fishing with my dad over my birthday. And there's um, parts of Salida that remind me of Montana and specifically my time in the Big Hole Valley, but it's just not the same. I mean, there's just more people everywhere you go in Colorado. You have to get really, really, really remote to find the kind of wide open spaces that you have everywhere in the Big Hole Valley. Why is everyone obsessed with Colorado? Is it because it's like the, t- uh, the climate isn't as intense as like Montana or Wyoming or something. It's the and weed, man. It's the weed. No, I don't know. Weed? I think, well, you know, I think, I think, so. I think there was a connection to a big influx of people coming into Colorado with the legalization of marijuana. I really do think that's a thing. Um, yeah, maybe it's the temperate climate. Maybe it's, you know, skiing, but it's a, we've had a huge number of young people move out to Colorado. And I think it's people who are looking to get away from the coastal big cities and they're like, oh, this is a smaller town, but it's becoming, it feels like more and more of a big city. Like traffic's bad, Um, pollution can be bad, but I love it here. I love being a Colorado girl. So, okay, can we get into kind of your background into fishing? So, as I understand, and obviously you will tell it a lot better, you kind of moved away from Denver for the first time and you were like in the middle of nowhere a little bit. How um, did you get into fly fishing? So I got into fly fishing my third year of law school, my last semester of law school. This guy transferred to DU for his last semester. His name is Pete. And he uh, I thought it was really cute. So I asked him out over our classroom homework system. Nice. <laughs> That's really funny. Shoot yeah. your shot. Shoot your what? shot. Okay. Do you remember the exact phrasing you used? You know, I have it screenshotted somewhere. Um, so the program is called Blend. <laughs> yeah, it's on my bedside table. Um, <laughs> no, the program's called Twin. And so I wrote him on Twin and I was like, hey, it must be really hard to be a new student, you know, especially in the third semester of law school, not knowing anyone, like, here's my number if you ever want to go get pad thai, something like that. 
And yeah. he texted me and I have the text somewhere, but he's like, thank you for the extremely empathetic. And he said, uh, twin, which is the program twin stock. I'm like, that's always a good start when he, they refer to you as a stalker. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, he and I ended up becoming friends and he was really into fishing. I had a huge crush on this guy and he was very into fishing and I had wanted to learn how to fly fish. I mean, I had spinnerfished a bit as a kid um, up on the lake in Canada where my family used to go, but I thought it was, it was cool. And so that's kind of how I got into it was going out there with him. Big ups did he... uh, for Pete. Shout out. Yeah. yeah shout, shout out, out Pete. Pete. Nice. How's it going, Pete? Thanks. This, I mean, anyway. best thing to come out of that relationship for sure, if you can call it a relationship, but no. He's a, he's a good dude, but it, it, we discovered very quickly that we were not romantically compatible at all. So we just ended up being friends and would go fishing together. And, and that's okay. Still talk from time to that's time. great. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So like, did you start out like fishing, like on ponds and stuff? Or like, did you go straight to a river? Like, I don't, I've heard about like, I don't know. I've heard about people like fly fishing at universities at the pond. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, my first fish I ever caught on the fly was actually at Wash Park. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, so, okay, that's like a local so, park in Denver? Yeah, yeah, so Wash Park is kind of this big uh, park in the city with two big lakes. You know, it's not far from the University of Denver, but everyone knows Wash Park. There's lots of cute houses in the area. So my first ever fish I caught on the fly, I don't even remember what it was, but it was small. Um, and I, I have the picture of me kissing the fish, you know, but it still, cause I was a noob, it still had the fly in its mouth. And so you can see like the line taut up to my rod as I'm holding this fish to my mouth and it's probably like, kill me now. Um, <laughs> Is that framed next to the- Next the, to the twin <laughs> screenshot. The, the twin. Wait, is it twin or twin? Twin. Is twin. it an acronym? Yeah, uh, but like a lot of things in law school, I don't remember what it stands for, so. Hey. <laughs> uh, teens great. winking entertainment news. Uh, yep. I'll take it. There I'll it is. It. That's, That's spo sponsored by <laughs> that. Winking teens. Great. They can't stop. Uh -huh. Something I think I've uh, come across it when someone, you know, someone teaches someone else how to fly fish, there's always kind of like a, um, a dependence almost on that person of like, hey, totally. you need to, uh, right. I need you around or else I like won't know how to do anything. How did you like break away and do your own thing in terms of fly fishing? That's an awesome question. And I think part of What's awesome about that is I think mentorship and fly fishing is super important. And that's something that becomes really important in my fly fishing story down the road once I moved out to the Western Slope of Colorado. Um, for me, it was when I decided to buy my own gear because mm -hmm. for a while I was reliant on Pete because he has all this awesome stuff, right? Because he's been fishing his whole life. Um, I was relying on him for gear. I was wearing some waders of his that were uh, obviously way too short for me. So, you know, people who are listening can't see this, but I'm super tall. I'm six feet tall. So I have like my super jumbo ladies waiters, uh, shout out Sims. <laughs> hey. I love them. They're great. Um, but I was using some of his and he's quite a bit shorter than me. So I was just like really riding up in there and boobs filling out the top. It was not a good look, but so 
I got my first pair of waders on eBay. I bought a, a lot of my fishing gear on eBay because I didn't, you know, was in law school. I didn't have money and uh, decided to go out by myself with my dog, Henry. So he's now five and he was a teeny tiny baby puppy. He was like 12 weeks old. And we went up to one of my favorite places on the planet, which is uh, up in Boulder Canyon. So above the town of Boulder, where CU Boulder is, there's the Boulder Creek, which flows down in there, and it flows down from this town called Netherland that's up the canyon from there. And there's this beautiful pull-off, uh, like nine miles up the canyon. And this isn't like a, a trade secret because there's lots of people up there. There's no one who's <laughs> going to kill me for re revealing this. But there's a really nice pull-off up the canyon where lots of people rock climb and stuff. And Pete had taken me fishing there once. Obviously, I didn't catch anything. This was like my eighth time going fishing. I caught two cute little browns up there. Awesome. And yeah, and I had my little puppy with me and it was the best feeling in the world. It was awesome. So once I had that independence, I was really able to tap into how good it feels to be on the water in nature by yourself. And you don't always have that, you know, in places that are overfished or places that are pretty crowded but I was able to have that on that day and I was like yeah this is pretty special. Speaking of like the busyness down in that region I hear a lot about it a lot of people talk about it how do you like what is what are some of the things that you can do to escape that like do you are there secret spots still does that even exist down there or is it like is it just kind of a it is what it is these days sort of thing? I'd say it's kind of a mix. I mean, I think there's some spots that are overfished and they're more convenient to get to, um, and that's why they're overfished, but there's also so many cool areas that you can go explore, you know, do some blue lining, look at the maps, see where there's water and, and see what you can find. I mean, there's just, there are trout everywhere in Colorado, and it's just a question of knowing where to go and, and exploring and looking at the water and throwing a fly and seeing what happens. Um, I'm someone who kind of like I was saying, I, I really like the solitude when I'm in nature. I really like the um, feeling connected with nature. And there's some places like on the frying pan, they call it the mall because there's just an angler every few wow. feet, you know, not super Corona friendly. Right. Um, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that bad, but it's, it, it kind of detracts from it for me. So and I'm also someone who I love catching small natural mountain trout. Like I love mm -hmm. that. And I'm not necessarily out hunting for lunkers every time I go fishing. I, I just like the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but do you like catching lunkers? Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, but you're not, but you're not going to catch those in the type of small water that I typically like to fish. And I, I like small water. I like being in the middle of nowhere, like backpacking back to spots. And typically you've got a lot of smaller fish in there, but I love it. That's definitely one way to stay clear of all the crowds is just doing yeah. your own niche. Um, and then just doing, hitting that hard. That's a really good way to go about it. Especially if you, I mean, if you're fishing and you don't love nature, I don't, sorry about it. Uh, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes you have to, but, you have to put the work in. I mean, you have to hike a little farther than everyone else or something sometimes. I mean, it's, everywhere is getting it, busy anyway. So it takes a little more effort. Earning your turns. Yeah. Earning your cast. Yeah. 
No, I mean, exactly. And it's not to say there's anything wrong with going in areas that are more populated, you know, as long as people are respecting the water and respecting the trout, no basic etiquette. I mean, everyone should get out there. I don't want that to ever dissuade people from getting out there. And what I've also found is in some places, especially when I was newer in some of the places that were more crowded, there was, for example, there was a day when I was fishing the Black Canyon of the Gunnison and I was by myself, still didn't know what I was doing. And there was this other angler who was asking me how many fish I've caught. And I was like, uh, zero. How about you? And he's like 20. And then I was watching him for a while and he's just like nailing trout, you know, every third cast. I'm like, what, what am I doing wrong? And so then he just hung out with me for a while and he was giving me suggestions and he's the guy who taught me how to mend my line. Like, that's what I remember this dude for is he taught me how to mend what mending was. Cause I had never really understood that. And that's special. I wouldn't have had that if I had been alone. Right. Um, absolutely. And so this is just like a complete stranger that was just like, hey, let me, let me help you out. Well, yeah. And you know, you're like walking by the side of the river and people are like, hey, how's it going? How many fish you catch? You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like zero and he was having a hot day of fishing and he was just a cool dude who, who hung out with me for a while. He's an older guy and he's just really nice and really encouraging and positive. Because I think it's easy to get discouraged when you're new because getting skunked isn't fun, you know? You want to have something to show for it. So at, at one point I was casting, and obviously I'm, I'm a novice angler, so all my shit's getting tangled, right? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got a couple flies on there, and my shit's just getting fucked, like, every time I cast. <laughs> and he's like, fly fishing is about getting tangled and getting stuck in trees. It's just going to happen. And so, you know, then I put on fix my stuff and I put on some more split shot. He's like, it's not getting low enough. So I'm doing essentially whatever he's telling me. I get hooked on some log. He's like, fly fishing's about getting stuck on stuff. It's just going to happen. And so that's something I keep still in the back of my head when things go wrong, be like, well, it's just going to happen and mm-hmm. just letting it happen and, and not fighting that's it. So not resisting sweet. it. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I Isn't love that. Awesome? that. It's like such a mindful way to approach your time on the river. So I'm really yeah. thankful. Whoever you are, Guy, uh, thank you. Love shout you. Out, shout out Guy. Shout out Guy. Shout out, shout out to like non-creepy, awesome men in fly fishing. There are so many of them and they're so great and they've helped each and every one of us. So thank yeah. you. Uh, keep up the good work. Well, both of, <laughs> both of my mentors in fly fishing are dudes. They're both men. And um, yeah, it's never been creepy. They've just been awesome every step of the way. And just, it's cool to see men excited about getting women on the water. Mm-hmm. Are you still connected with Pete? Like, is he still, is he the one that you fish with quite often? No. Or is so that someone else? I have a new Pete. So my friend nice. Pete Whoa. Ashman. Yeah, no, not romantic. He's married to one of my best friends. I actually met him because his wife, Miranda, one of my best friends was my yoga teacher. And she's like, oh, you're my husband's dream girl. You need to meet him. And so he and I end up hitting it off. And now he's like my big brother. Um, they adopted oh, me cool. into their family. Yeah, they, they've, they're such awesome, salt of the earth, wonderful people who I'm still very close with. And they just kind of adopted me. I was out in Grand Junction. I didn't know anyone. And they, they were my family. And they still our family and I love them very much. So Pete, as well as this guy, Mike Rudder, um, kind of adopted me as their little fishing sister. And they'd take me out, we'd go out in Mike's beautiful boat and go fish the Gunnison and go float the Gunnison. And 
they taught me, I really feel like they taught me everything I know about fly fishing, Mm -hmm. you know, everything from technique to knowing what to throw to attitude. That was from those two men from Pete Ashman and Mike Rutter, who are just the most awesome dudes ever. Nice. Well, um, maybe we could have them on the pod. You should. Would love to talk to them. And also say it cast. I'm going to speak for you. (laughs) I'd love to. Oh, great. Uh, obviously we don't need to, uh, address this here and now, but maybe you could send us their contact info. Totally. And, um, I'd love to hear yeah. their side of the story. So your mentors. So, um, did you meet both of them at the same time or like, how did, how did, um, was it Mike? Was it Mark? Mike. So there's Mike. Pete Ashman and he will be referred to by his full name because, that's just what's going to happen. I don't know. He's just Pete Ashwin. That's just who he is. Yeah. Um, so I met Pete, Pete Ashwin through his wife, Miranda. So I do yoga. That's uh, another passion of mine. Miranda was my yoga teacher. She's like the hottest person I've ever seen in my life. And she's just brilliant and beautiful and wonderful and loving. And I'm like, you're the most nourishing, wonderful human I've ever met. So I kind of hit it off with her. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, And so I hit it off with her and she finds out I like to fish and she goes, oh my gosh, you are my husband Pete's dream girl. And that's how she talks too. Like you are his dream girl. She's so passionate about everything. So she introduces us and I was telling her, yeah, I'm, you know, feeling kind of discouraged from fly fishing because I haven't, you know, been having a lot of luck or whatever. So we got dinner, I think is the first time we met one of the things, so Miranda doesn't fish. And one of the things that's kind of, I wouldn't say the bane of her existence, but that's a frequent occurrence in the Ashman household, at least pre-corona, was fish event. So the uh, place, my fly shop in Grand Junction, um, it's Western Anglers. They're an awesome, awesome group. And uh, Western Anglers did a lot of really cool fish events. So they do fly tying competitions or you know, a variety of other things, movies, what have you. So that's where I met Mike Rudder through Pete. Pete was like, oh, you need me, Mike, Mike's cool. So Mike used to be a guide out in Missoula and he still guides, um, you know, really, really good angler, seasoned angler. And so that's how I met him. And then one thing leads to another and they're like, we're gonna take you out in the boat, kid. They call me kid. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of the start of something beautiful, beautiful friendship. That's awesome. That's great. Right. I love fly fishing. It's such a great community. People just get together. It's awesome. I love it. Well, and Cass, one thing when you and I met, it was the moment we knew we loved each other was there was a caddis hatch popping off and I commented on it. I'm like, oh yeah, look at all those caddis. And Cass is like, oh my God, I love that you know what that is. (laughs) It's so cute. cute. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) That's great. That's amazing. Um, okay, so I have, a, I have a couple questions, a couple questions for you. First of all, and it's kind of about me because I might be rolling through there at some point. Anyway, can you fish, can you fly fish in the winter in Colorado? You can. It's, it's you available? Totally can. Okay. Um, it's available? <laughs> I don't know the weather, you know. What do you mean? The, like the, the ice. Like for regulation? <laughs> the or the like, frigid like, temps. I don't know. Are you going to do like a, a polar bear swim or something? I'm doing the polar plunge and I'm just going to come up 
with a fish in my mouth, but no, <laughs> honestly. Okay, so you can fish in the winter, and let's say I'm rolling in to Colorado in approximately around February. Is that possible to fish? Yes. I mean, is it possible? Yes. Do I recommend it? Maybe not. I mean, it's, you know, God, I am kind of a baby about the cold, and I'm a skier, and I love skiing, but there's something about being in the water Oh, and it's, it's awful. So I don't cold. want to do that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's just, it's, you know, your eyelids are getting frozen and you're picking ice yeah. out of there and your line is stuck. It's just, okay. I don't particularly okay. enjoy it. I know a lot of people who do. So can you fish? Yes. Do I fish in winter? Typically, no. But so the, it's not I mean, the, mild is what you're saying. It's not mild. Well, but that's the beauty of Colorado, right? Because Colorado... You know, I, I would say February typically really sucks. I mean, I feel like our Februarys Great. in Colorado are really cold. Um, but we have mild winters. We have uh, really reasonable winters, and our weather is just constantly all over the place. So last week, Labor Day, um, on the 7th, it was 90 degrees, and then it snowed the next day. Yeah, we got hey, that up here. That, that exact same thing happened to us, like, last week or something. It was 90, and then the next yeah. day, it snowed, and we were like... Okay, sure. Who? It's crazy. Yeah. And so winter winter in Colorado is like that too. I mean, you're not going to be having 90 degree days, but you may have like a 50 or 60 degree day in between, you know, days of it being 10 degrees out. So Um, I want to come back to that uh, point that you made briefly. You don't have to fish if you don't want to fish in every season and every condition. That's a nice thing about fly fishing. And something that I've really enjoyed uh, now that I'm no longer guiding is that like, hey, uh, I have the option to not go fishing today because I don't want to. Totally. Uh, yeah, that whole so hardened like that. that hardened veteran fisherman game that everyone's playing. No, thank you. Yeah, I don't, you know, and I don't get it. And maybe it's more of a guy thing now that I'm talking with you two about it. Because I find that the women that I know who fish aren't competing about like, oh, yeah, I was freezing cold and my mustache froze solid you know and I've been there I have been there my mustache has frozen solid but what I'm saying Same show <laughs> the show who has it mustache but, is frozen solid we've been there ain't, ain't no thing you know I I don't think fly fishing is a competitive sport and while people there are you know competitive casting and and the like but I really don't think it should be competitive for people when you're just going out there you're not there to compete you're not there for Instagram, you're there for yourself, or at least, or at least I should say, I'm there for myself. People have their different motivations and that's fine for them. But for me, what gives me the most fulfillment is being out there for myself, you know, challenging myself to be better and enjoying my time on the water and enjoying the people I'm with if I'm out, you know, with friends. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Well, and I mean, I certainly am not trying to speak against men or or anything like that but it seems like um especially with this newer generation of fishermen um women getting uh, more heavily involved in the industry it seems to be a little less i feel a little less pressure to be amazing and the best and perfect and catching 75 pound trout on a tuesday like it's more um i don't know i feel like things are becoming a little more welcoming I guess I don't know how to put it but I mean when I'm when I'm out with Stephanie like I'm 
I'm focusing on, okay, how's my casting today? Instead of why didn't you catch a fish yet? So I don't know. Well, that's because I'm so cool and easygoing. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I just feel like you can get around certain groups where it it can be kind of scary, but I don't know. Oh, for sure. Talking with the two of you is like, let's not worry about it. We'll focus on our skills or whatever, you know? I don't know. But isn't that kind of an example of, I mean, that's an example of how fly fishing applies to your life on the whole, right? Like there's people you're going to be around who are going to be competing with you about, you know, your life and being like, I own a house. You don't peasant or, you know, I'm not saying that's actually ever happened to me, but like, you know, you know, the example, you know, the people who are flaunting the things they have or flaunting what their lives look like or competing with you. And you can just kind of feel it, you know, they can Mm -hmm. feel that they're being competitive and that they're judging. It's like, you know, my next door neighbor who has seven goats and I only have two goats and it's really embarrassing. And I'm really like, stop hard. flaunting all your goats. Get more you goats, know what I mean? Stephanie. Yeah, get your get goat. Together, Steph. Yeah. <laughs> no goat I'm a shaming goat on the girl. <laughs> Yeah. No goat shaming guys. Not my marriage. Um, Not my marriage. That is uh, the quote of the summer, uh, Danny. I don't know when or why, but at some point I said, not my marriage and we're running with it. So yeah go ahead I'm here for it take it uh print a t-shirt anyway or whatever (laughs) you get it um anyway yeah you gotta find your you gotta find your squad you gotta find your crowd to hang out with to talk to to be supportive find your mentors hey can I that's awesome can I tell you a story about printing t-shirts yeah yeah this is like tangentially related um so I am single fellas Bella's. Uh, we'll, post, we'll post her her full name, address, and phone number on our Instagram. And uh, no, a failed, absolutely, yeah, failed fish bra picture too. No, uh, mm. we're not going to do that. <laughs> no, we won't do that. No, <laughs> That's also a good story, though. Um, no, so I went on a date with this guy a while back, and uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm into fishing. Like I'm outdoorsy, whatever." So I meet up with this guy. He is not outdoorsy in the slightest. He's just really not. Like, it's all for show. He went out with a guide once. And again, get out there, go out with a guide, whatever. But, like, I'm not really into people pretending to be something they're not. And this guy wasn't. So I don't drink. This guy gets, you know, and different strokes for different folks. But this guy gets to the bar and immediately starts pounding hard alcohol. And we were actually at Sushi Den, which is this really bougie Denver restaurant and um, amazing food, amazing sushi. We go up to the table. We, he orders a bottle of sake for himself, um, and he proceeds to get very drunk over the course of the meal. And as an aside, something he told me about Japanese culture, and I have not had the opportunity to verify if this is true or not, is that you have to pour the sake for the other person at the table. Like if you're, you're not allowed to pour your own drinks. So he kept on kind of like give me, giving me the eyebrows and giving me a look when he was ready to have his sake cup refilled. I think that so, only applies when multiple people are drinking and not just yourself. Yeah, that's like the saddest thing. It was weird. Ever. It was, it was, just, it was. No. Un- uncomfortable. It felt a little Handmaid's Tale to me. Yeah. So, Praise be. May the Lord open. So, <laughs> blessed are the fruit. Blessed um, are the fruit. <laughs> so, so when the, but before he got his drinks at the table, because he had already been drinking before I got there, before he got his drinks at the table, the waitress comes up and is like, oh, can I see your ID? He's like, oh, yeah, make me feel young. And I could tell he was older than me, but I didn't know by how much. 
I made him sound like father time. He wasn't that old, but he was like, I guess I should get this out of the way. I'm 49. I was like, uh, did you know I was 27? And he's like, oh yeah, totally. And I did not know he's 49. I think that's a little bit too much of an age gap for me to put that into context. And he was graduating from college. I was being born. So anyway, we have this, you know, mediocre date, but he's talking to me about being an attorney and my experience as a trial attorney, as a criminal prosecutor, which I'd been doing for a few years at that point. And he asked me, um, he's like, do you ever have like fans come and watch you or like spectators? I'm like, well, I mean, courtrooms are open to the public. And he's like, I'm going to make team Danny t-shirts and come walk, watch you in court. I was like, oh, please don't do that. Mm. Um, so after this date, <laughs> yeah, after this date, it just did not go well. And I don't really talk to him for a few weeks. It kind of gets a slow fade. And then I get this text message from him out of the blue a few weeks later. He's like, look what just came in the mail. And after one date, this guy had made team Danny t-shirts. No, 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 no. Do you have one? Can I have one? <laughs> that is my biggest regret coming out of this because I immediately, I was weirded out, you know, naturally. And I was like, "What? that's a little aggressive. And he's like, oh, why? Man. And my biggest regret is I should have been like, oh, those are awesome. Can I have one? Like, I wish I had a Team Danny t-shirt. You should have just don't. like met up with him, got like just gathered whatever. If he made more than one, get them all and then just ghost him <laughs> like I just, just yeah bye bye is it yeah. too late to reconnect yeah I didn't even, did those i'll talk to him yeah steph you may or may not have noticed i did not use his name in the entirety of this and that was not out of respect for his privacy that was straight up because i don't remember his name <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> huh. hmm. okay yeah, but, well maybe but we can do not... some uh, sleuthing and figure it out did you... i would love <laughs> How did you meet him? Is this, was this a dating app? Is it okay if I ask? <laughs> I apologize. No. So the worst part about this is we were actually introduced through Miranda Ashman, through Pete Ashman's wife. Miranda. I know. Miranda. Miranda. Miranda has been very invested in my love life and in me finding a suitable person. Um, and so keep in mind, Miranda, I'm going to try and phrase this delicately because no one likes to talk about their age. But again, Miranda's like the hottest person I've ever seen in my life, but she's a few years older than I am. So I think the age gap was less noticeable to her than it was to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Maybe we could reach out to her and see if she can snag those teas, you know? Oh my gosh, totally. And you know, Miranda would be a cool person to have on the pod too, because she's married to a fishing fanatic and she can talk about her experiences with that and with fish events. And she can teach uh, some yoga poses, some poses of the yoga, something beyond Shavasana. Yoga is a great method to be taught via podcast, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. At least we could get some terminology out of the way. I don't know. Yes, we can, we can untuck our kundalini's (laughs) <laughs> or, or is that a pasta up? is that a noodle yeah i'm so hungry all of a sudden yeah well cook up some yeah. kundalini it's fine <laughs> it's definitely a noodle <laughs> i need to look this up i don't like what i don't all i know about yoga is you're you have to align your seat bones or like push them into the floor or something yeah when i actually took a yoga class from a yoga instructor I um like 
was she positioned my hips in a way that I was like, I now understand how this is effective. I get it. So, you know, you're saying that this is a, a big tangent, but I, I would actually say it's not because there is a lot in common between yoga and fly fishing. Yeah, go okay, hear about it. Get some help. Okay. You wouldn't think this, right? But first off, I feel like being a yogi helps me when I'm on the water. I can balance on cool rocks and, you know, oh. okay. Yeah. Ooh. Right? Like wow. that kind of strength um, helps me with that. I need all the help I can get with being graceful in general. So it's helped me with that. But I think yoga is also something that people are intimidated by being like, oh my gosh, there's so much to learn or be like, oh, I'm not flexible. I won't be good at that. Like, I don't know about you guys is something I hear for why people don't get involved in fly fishing is they're like, oh, I don't have the attention span or something like that. They have some sort of excuse. And people always have their excuse for not doing yoga is because they're not flexible. And it's not about that. It's about the process. You know, it's about mm -hmm. challenging yourself and staying in the moment and just kind of going through it and seeing how you feel after. And I think there's a lot in common between that and, and fly fishing, at least for me. So I see yeah. a lot of parallels there. And you have to be kind of in a clearing heads, you know, clearing your headspace, uh, being in the moment. They, um, they both aware. can be highly irritating, but highly zen activities. You have to be in the right headspace. I get very irritated sometimes when I do yoga because I am very confused. And then I get some help and I realize what I should be doing. And it's amazing. Here's the whole thing with mindfulness and meditation though, Cass, and like what I'll challenge you with is, do you Give really it think it's about being in the right headspace when you go in? I don't think it is. I, no, think, no. I think the process is about saying, noticing when, right? Like with mindfulness and meditation, it's about noticing when those thoughts pop up and recognize like, oh, I'm having a thought or I'm having an anxious feeling and recognizing that and letting it go and not attaching to it. So it's the same thing with fly fishing. You know, when you're on the water and you're like, oh, this sucks and getting tangled. And instead of being like, fuck, this sucks. Like, I'm never going to be good at this. Being like, well, it's just going to happen and letting it go. That lets you keep enjoying your day and keep enjoying your time instead of getting too attached to, to being perfect or everything going right. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that Stephanie can especially attest to this. I used to get pretty angry when I was fly fishing. Like, what does that look like? Just, I would rage quit. I'm a big rage quitter, big time. So I would get, I would get frustrated when, you know, the winds picked up and I'm casting just pure shit. And it's like, what, wh why, why, who? So I just quit and I get angry and I'm just in the back of the boat and I'm done. And Stephanie's like, okay. <laughs> so um it's that i've really worked on that i mean i i'm i still get angry absolutely but i've worked on that a lot over the years i mean just accepting the fact that this is going to happen you know and i'm but, actually curious for for steph as a guide i mean what was your experience like did you have moments of frustration when you were guiding and and what was that like i had moments <laughs> I had moments when I needed to, I was so frustrated and so angry that I needed to count my breath. So I would just be rowing down the river or I'd be counting my, my strokes as I was rowing. I'd be like one, you know, I count to 10, one, two, three. And I was, and then I'd start again, like when I was so angry or I had, I had a lot of mantras, 
when I was fishing <laughs> and things that I just say over and over and over to myself. And one of them was like, look around you, look at nature, look around you, look at nature. You know what I mean? Like let nature, let nature be in you. Um, you know, just like these people don't matter. I mean, they do matter because they're clients and they're paying me and blah, 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 blah. In the grand scheme of things, uh, in the history of the universe, these people don't matter and you don't matter. And you just need to be a part of nature right now and stop being frustrated. I am curious, what got you to that point where you needed to count your breath? Like, what's an example of something that was happening with, with clients you were guiding? Um, just like, uh, Normal. It takes it. T- it takes quite a bit to rile me, but um, you know, like a series of like snarky comments, or you know, just like being rude. People telling me I should get a real job. You know that sort of stuff. Uh, or sometimes there were moments where it was just like the two people in the bow were incompatible or just like got tangled like every 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Like tangles happen. That happens all the time, but it's like, Oh, I'm going to tangling this for the third time in two minutes. You know what I mean? I'm just like, Oh God. Okay. Just calm, like remain calm, you know, and just trying to like just recenter myself and not be like, we're never going to make the off this river. Cause I have to stop every five <laughs> seconds and untangle these people. Or maybe I was, I was just personally having a bad day myself and I just like couldn't get out of my own like crappy headspace or, you know, like I had something going on and I needed to get out of my own head. Or when there was like a really st- st- physically struggly day, like I kept running, like when the water's really low and I kept running into like a million rocks and mm-hmm. had to like drag the boat over a million rocks, that would be, that would be one of those days also. Man, that's some of the most humbling stuff, Rowan. I tell you what. Seriously. Cass and I, so Cass has become a very good rower over the past few years. And we did, um, I would say, the the area's most challenging float to row the other a couple weeks ago. It's called the Canyon. Mm And so the part that but it was most the bottom think, of the canyon. That's what I'm saying. It's like most people find the part where like there's like huge rocks and like turbulent water and blah blah blah. And she does all of this like perfectly. And then we get to the part, the bottom part where it's all shallow, but it's like a lot of rocks, and we call it the pinball. There it, no, 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 no. It's not a lot mind. of rocks. It's not a lot of rocks. It is just rocks. It's <laughs> there are only rocks, and then there are With, small like, pools. <laughs> of trickling water and you're supposed <laughs> to fit three people and a raft down it and i i looked at stephanie so many times and i was like i i think you're i think you're pulling my leg here i don't think that this is possible that you're wrong and she's like no 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 you're good just you got to pull it over to the just to the left and i was like okay i'll just just get all the way on the I, bank and then scoot <laughs> on the grass everybody gets out and we'll just carry it and it'll be okay (laughs) yeah man Um, but hey as matt ling says love him he's gonna be a guest next year when he's back in the valley anyway uh as matt ling says if you can row skinny water you can row any water mm -hmm. because it requires a lot of maneuvering and uh or work so danny have you dabbled in the rowing Danny? Yeah, I have with uh, Mike 
Mike and Pete. Um, Mike Rutter is the one who taught me kind of how to row, but I've got really cute pictures of him with my dog, Henry, because Henry would come out in the boat with us and he would sit in Mike's lap while he was rowing. And uh, he's an 80 pound yellow lab and it's cute as hell. Oh, so, cute. Yeah. Do you like I'll to row? row? Yeah, I love rowing. So actually, I rode crew in college for two years. Um, oh, really? Which is, yeah, which is you super have, different, oh, right? Because I, uh, yes. <laughs> it's super different because I don't have to navigate when I'm rowing crew. But um, no, when people let me behind the, or- let me behind the oars, I will totally row. I enjoy it. I love it. Something about I also, I like it. There's like, there's definitely moments when I much rather be on the sticks than fishing. One, when it's cold. Uh, two, when yes. there's no fish. Hot tip. Right? <laughs> Hot tip. Uh, if you're cold, true. learn to row and then yeah. do it. Especially cause... learning how to row is very, uh, you it's, get, it's a lot of you work. You get hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's physically demanding and, and it's also something where you kind of have to be on. Um, I imagine as a guide to stuff, you know, you're making sure people are safe and you want to make sure people are getting down the river safely. So you have to be on, you have to be aware of what's going on. You really, there maybe are portions. And once you get to know a river, you know, you know, the areas and stretches that are fine and you can relax a little bit, but you have to be really aware of your surroundings. Um, I mean, not just guiding, like everyone should be, everyone should have safety in mind, um, when they're heading down a river and it could be like a super fun day. You can have some drinks, you cannot have some drinks, whatever, but just knowing, just being aware of your surroundings and knowing what you're getting into and explaining to your passengers, whether they be your clients or your friends, what they're getting into. So everyone's kind of on the same page is uh very important i think totally totally and you know even something as simple as being like all right guys sit down at this part like this isn't a good point to be standing like little things Mm -hmm. like that i mean those make a huge difference those make a huge difference in your day and i don't think you realize what a big difference they make until something goes wrong because someone is being irresponsible Mm -hmm. and bring a rain jacket and bring a rain jacket but you, you can't be, you know, you can't be shy about things like that. I mean, I used to, when I first started rowing and learning the rivers and when I was uncomfortable, I felt, I felt uncomfortable letting my passengers know that, hey, please sit down because I need to focus. So you have to, you have to express things like that. And I mean, your passengers are going to appreciate, appreciate the fact that you are saying, hey, guys let's take it seriously for a second. But I mean, I, I used to be pretty nervous about stuff like that because I didn't want, I didn't want to, you know, let people know that I didn't know what I was doing right here or something. But I mean, you, you have to, safety is extremely important when you are on the sticks. So. I will also add another thing that I think people should always be mindful of is your waiting belt. You know, that's another little safety precaution when you've got your you know, your waiters on and there's a little belt that goes around your waiters. So something I learned very early in my fly fishing career is that it's for a reason and it's so those bad boys don't get filled with water. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had a day when I was out fishing, very, very new to fishing, going out with the guy Pete from stocking, the Pete that I stocked. Um, 
Did so you stalk him? Friend. I feel like legally you did not stalk him. Uh, no, legally. No. I, just a like disclaimer, okay? Legally, I did not stalk him. I just wrote right. him a message on Twen, which he referred to as stalking. Thank you. Legal disclaimer over. Um, but he's shorter than I am and kind of stocky. So he was able to make it across rivers and like my long giraffe body in waders that were too short had a little bit of difficulty um, crossing this river. And I had just, it's Colorado day. So it, it gets really hot midday. I had just taken off some layers and I, I didn't tighten my waiting belt. And Pete was like, you need to tighten that waiting belt. I'm like, why? Cause I'm like, this is just to cinch my waist and make me look female in my waders. And he's like, no, no, no. And explain to me what it's for. So I fell in the river and I oh. lost my footing and it just picked me up. And I was off to the races down the river. And if, if you have never had that happen in moving water, it is scary. And so the top of my waders filled up but the bottom didn't. And uh, it was even heavy. Like I could feel the water going in the front of my waders as, as I was going downstream. And so Pete ended up plucking me up like by the back of my waders, by those like elastic kind of bands and hauling me onto the shore. And what was unbelievable is I wasn't from the waist down. I wasn't even wet because I had tightened my wading belt. And I honestly think that made a big difference. I mean, that water was- wow. In, in retrospect, I think that was moving too fast for us to have tried to cross where we did and how we did. Um, but that was so scary. And so that's, that's like another safety thing that I would have never thought of in a million years. That waiting belts are not for fashion. They are fashion. for function. <laughs> yeah, function that's a great, fashion, baby. That's a great tip. Yeah, um, seriously. I never really thought to talk about that. Hmm. Me neither. Uh, yeah. I don't, I like, don't, I wear waders as little as possible. So oh, same here. Same. Whoopsie. It's just fall and spring. I mean, summer, I, yeah. I wet wade all summer or I'm, mm -hmm. you know, partially clothed in a boat. Um, yeah, baby. Yeah. But Speaking of partially clothed in a boat, can you tell us about <laughs> your, um, your fish bra experience? Yeah. So I was fishing with, uh, Pete Ashman and Miranda and again, Pete's like a brother to me. And uh, there, you know, was maybe some topless fishing happening. And uh, I landed a really beautiful rainbow trout. And I wanted to do a fish bra pick. I've never done a fish bra pick before. What's a fish I, bra? I, for those fish bra is, yeah, for those of you unfamiliar, fish bra is when someone takes a picture of you and you have boobs. Um, and you hold the fish in front of your boobs. So it's like a, they, you can't see the boobs. It's like a sensor block, but it's a fish. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was trying to do that with this rainbow trout and Miranda just butchers the picture. And so I've got this picture <laughs> of me holding a, a beautiful <laughs> rainbow trout with just like my boobs hanging out under it. It was just, <laughs> you know, and if you want to talk about things to frame and put in my apartment, like that's something I have to frame and put somewhere in my apartment. But you think like, you could Photoshop <laughs> the fish uh, like a second fish onto your actual <laughs> boobs, so it is censored. But you know what I mean. Um, could I do it? No. Could someone smarter than me? Maybe. I'm sure someone could. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's beautiful the way it is. Thank you, Cass. I really I appreciate do. it. It's I mean, I good. look forward I look forward to seeing that um, 
privately. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll send that to you later for your viewing great. pleasure uh, stuff. Great. I, I, I'll love, I'll love to see that. Uh, I love a good fish <laughs> bra. Super fun. How are you supposed to do it? You're supposed to hold it. Well, part of it is the photographer. So Miranda is at fault for this, but you're supposed to hold it out. So the way when it's the photos taken, it's blocking the, the, the areolas, if you will, it's blocking the areolas, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so it's kind of the angle of how you're holding it. It's blocking it from view. She was, kind of like she was mesmerized the by way. the beautiful fish and she mm -hmm. forgot to look at where your areolas were at that particular time. The worst time. part, though, the worst part of this picture is my face because I'm, like, so happy and so excited. Like, I am so, I am way too excited to have my boobs hanging out like that. It's just not okay. I think that's great. Honestly, I'd be more concerned if you were unhappy, to be honest, having your boobs out. Yeah, that's true. true. So, so the fish bra, <laughs> as I'm likening it to, is like people taking photos of um, holding up the Tower of Pisa, but then like sometimes you see those fails where like someone's just like randomly like holding up a nothing, and then like the Tower of Pisa is like all the way over. <laughs> yeah, you know I would say about? it's the same spirit, and I think. Uh, Whoever invented the idea of the fish bra was really hoping more for the fails than for the successes. Yeah, for sure. We should get an OnlyFans, and it should be exclusively fish bras. Mm-hmm. Even fails. Fish, fish undies? Fish bras. Yes. Ooh. Fish anything that's covering mm -hmm. or not covering a body part. Mm -hmm. Let's make some money off this, baby. Let's do it. Yeah. I love I'm gonna it. I'm going to do a fish over my eyes so no one can identify me. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into I that. I love that fish journey off. for us. Yeah, yeah. we'll uh, we'll. I've never done to... it. I, I want to do it. Yeah, we'll make it fish happen. Bra? Yeah, I think you Maybe have to Maybe in February. To... Yeah, in February <laughs> yeah. is a great time for it. Perfect time. Mm -hmm. That's yep. the time to be topless in Colorado, I hear. Live your dreams. All right. <laughs> Not my marriage. Not, Not my, marriage. my marriage. That's what I say. Uh, Not my marriage. Can you tell us about your trip to Alaska real quick? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, the Alaska trip. Um, so to put it into context, I was a fairly new DA. I had been practicing law for about a year or two. And I meet this defense attorney. We'll call him Bob. Jared. Bob. Oh, Jared. No, Jared. That's a cool name. Like, Jared's, like, too cool of a name for this guy. So this guy, oh. uh... Jerry. You know, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. Fuck, yeah. Jerry and I start talking in the First Appearances Center, which is this area where, if you've ever had a traffic ticket, you've had to go talk with the DA on your minor speeding or whatever, that's the First Appearances Center. So it's pretty fast-paced, but somehow we get on the topic of the fact that I fish and he fishes and so we kind of become friends at some point we exchange numbers to talk about going fishing together because he had just moved to Colorado from Alaska and I was like oh I've always wanted to go to Alaska so I get a call from him out of the blue literally like two weeks after I've met this guy um kids don't try this at home he goes Jerry's like hey Danny because he's uh, originally from the south I have a friend who has a lodge in Alaska and I go out there a couple times a year and I was just wondering if you want to come with me. I was like, thanks for that, but I don't have any money. I'm a DA. And he's like, oh, I'll pay for everything. And so 
you know, at first I, I start texting my girlfriend, Joanne, and I'm like, hey, am I a prostitute? Like, is that what's happening here? Like, what kind of exchange? Like, he's not going to pay for everything and not expect something in return, you know? And Joanne was like, dude, it's a free trip to Alaska. Like, you should totally go for it and just maintain boundaries and you'll be fine. So I was like, okay, I'll go to Alaska. So he, as promised, paid for everything. This is like a very beautiful lodge, um, middle of nowhere. You have to take a bush plane out there. Just absolutely gorgeous. But it's like one of those, you know, $10,000 a week lodges. And so we end up there. It's summer, so it's light all day. Now, um, you know, I've mentioned before, I don't drink. And the guy who I went with, Jerry, uh, does drink. So we, when we first landed in Anchorage, a former client of his, who's like some convicted felon, and keep in mind, I'm a DA at this time, picks us up from the airport and is like hanging out with us. And he's like smoking pot in the motel room. And I'm pretty uncomfortable because I'm like, am I going to prostitute myself on this trip? It's really not clear. Um, <laughs> so we- Never clear. So, so he picks up, but the, the important part of the story is Jerry picks up this 30 rack of beer and brings it on the bush plane with us out to where we were staying. So we have an awesome first day there. It's really fun. We go fishing, have an awesome time, um, caught some gorgeous lake trout, caught some grayling. Amazing day. So we get home, everyone gets drunk and keeps partying and it's you know, it's light out all day. So it's light out through the whole night. It's 9 p.m. and it's still light out. And then it's two in the morning and it's kind of dusky outside. And so 3 a.m. rolls around. I had just flown in. I mean, we went straight from flying in there to going um, out on the water. So I'm like, okay, it's time for bed. So I wake up the next morning and the guy who runs the lodge is asking me if I want to come out with their other clients because they're going to go fish. And I'm like, you know, I should wait for Jerry. I'm here as his guest. Well, Jerry is upstairs in his room doing God knows what all day, all day. We have separate rooms also. Um, he stumbles down at like 3 PM and he is wasted out of his goddamn mind. Like he is trash. It turns out he drank that whole 30 rack by himself over the course of that day. He is so drunk that he is scaring the, the guy who runs the lodge's kid. So the kiddo is like, mommy, what's wrong with Uncle Jerry? It was, it was so bad. And so we ended up going fishing that night. We took the boat out, went to this really pretty inlet, and Jerry passes out on the side of the the river. I mean, it was just bad. And then he spent the rest of the trip apologizing to us for getting like rip roaring drunk, but he was, he was out of control. Like he was absolutely belligerent shit face. And I was like, aren't you taking away from your experience out here by getting that drunk? I totally understand someone having a few drinks and they're out on the water, getting a little buzz on, but this guy was wasted out of his mind and wasted a whole day that he could have spent out fishing in Alaska. Cause he was drinking a 30 rack by himself. Um, the, the happy ending to this story is Jerry really was too drunk to put the moves on me that whole trip. Nice. So yeah. We, uh, yeah, so I made it home uh, with, my, <clears throat> with my purity intact. And um, Very good. But yeah. So what kids, cringe. If, if you get a free trip to Alaska, take it. Just don't. don't. <laughs> Just make sure there's always 30 rack involved. It's it's the boundaries. And, and just because, and, and on the flip side, just because you buy someone a trip to Alaska, it doesn't mean that you get to 
be their fish broth, you know? Yeah. No. No. That was not going to happen. And if you're uncomfortable, don't do it. Just Just say no. That's that's all good. I think as women, though, a lot of women, myself included, we want to keep people happy. I'm definitely a people Absolutely. So I think going into it with that attitude being like, I am not going to hook up with this guy that I'm not interested in was very healthy for me and, and kind of helped me respect that boundary. Ladies, and especially young girls in their 20s, you don't owe men shit. Your bodies are your own. Do what you want with them, but you don't your owe men shit. Your minds are your own also. Yeah. So you don't yes. need to give up your physical space or your mental space if you don't want to. And I mean, that applies to everyone, but I think especially for me when I was in my 20s was when I, I kind of figured that out. Have you been 30 for two weeks? Yeah. I'm so wise now. Can you believe it? So wise. It's actually, that's why my beard is so, my frozen mustache and my beard are so long now. It's because of the wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Started growing. You're Danny the, the gray. Danny the white. Yeah. Danny the whatever. Danny the old and tired. Haggard. Haggard? I don't know. Yeah. You know, for people who don't, who don't know Steph very well, she has an older sister, Nicola, who I met the first day of law school, and she is still one of my closest friends. So that's actually how I met Steph. Um, Nicola and I are very similar in a lot of ways, but very different. If you've ever tried to go to a Walmart in Butte, Montana with Nicola, you, you'll know. Oh, uh, Danny, when me speaking third person, Danny has a list. I'm like, here's where we go. Here are the sections. Here are the things we need in each section. And Nicola's like, let's just follow the lay of the land and just explore and see what, what this, this Walmart in Butte America has to offer us. Mm -hmm. That's not my style. Me neither. I've, I've tried. I am also the way Nicola is. But I've tried yep. to limit that, limit that experience for, for me time and then have, do list time when others are involved because, uh, yeah, I don't know if other people want to see me trying on, uh, you know, a child's XXL sequin tank top. Um, you know, I, mean, I do. Not. I'm in. <laughs> Great. Come I'm on in. out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just different styles, but I think kind of having to be, being a prosecutor for so long, I, I kind of had to be, had to know what's going on and kind of be in control and be in control of the courtroom to an extent. And uh, I think that's maybe where it comes from. I'm also the oldest of four. So I think that maybe contributes to it too. That probably does it. Yeah. Danny, it was amazing to have you on here. Thank you. You are what a phenomenal is, guest. What? I top 10 guest. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. You are definitely in the top 10. Yeah. How many guests have you had? Um, 10? I don't know. Like like five. (laughs) Yeah. I'm honored to be in the top 10 of the five guests Mm -hmm. you've had. (laughs) Once you get to 10, you'll know your placement. We'll give you a We'll let you know. Okay. I'm expecting a a revision, a formal. You'll get a trophy. Yeah, yeah, I'm expecting a letter in the mail. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a plaque. Yeah, it'll be yep. uh, stamp sealed with our uh, with mm-hmm. flycast emblems and embossments. You know, do you guys remember those fish they used to have on the walls with the button, the like big mouth yeah. billy bass? Where uh-huh. you push the big button, mouth. Billy, you. Who, who doesn't? Yeah, I yeah. want one of those. That I want Can that do. in my plaque. 
Okay. Yeah, so it's my plaque. Do you Great. know, do you know that like you can push a button, but there's also a feature that is motion censored. And yeah. so every time you walk by, you can mm -hmm. have Billy Bass serenading you. And I just want to know who is the person that's like, I need this on motion sensor for myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know, but I do feel like it would be a sexy, spooky thing to incorporate into your Halloween decorations. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Have it seasonally up. Sure. Yeah. We live, we live for sexy, spooky. <clears throat> oh, I love yeah. spooky and sexy. Oh, spooky I love it season. All. Yeah. Here Sweet, it is. Sexy, spooky. It's coming up. Mm -hmm. It's here. All right. Let's spray Sexy, it. spooky Halloween. And Bring a rain jacket. Love you. Bye, Danny. Bye. Bye. Love you too.